Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and analysis on the internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Mike, can I ask you a simple question? Uh, uh, only if it is a, only if it's simple. Why does everybody hate Clay? Why does everybody hate Steph Curry, man? Why does everyone hate him? You know what? I don't know. And I, I've been on the, if anyone hates Steph Curry, um, I'm, uh, I'm canceling you wagon throughout the entire playoffs, throughout the entire season last year. Steph Curry is one of the greatest players ever. And I, I don't know. Is it just cause he's so likable? Like he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's incredible. Yeah. He, like, well, it's like he, people forgot that first MVP season when he was like the most incredible basketball player almost ever. Almost ever. One of the best seasons almost ever. And they're acting like, oh, yeah, well, now he should just do that all the time. Whatever. And he almost is doing that all the time. And people don't appreciate it. Uh, it's all it's all nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I just don't – I don't get how people don't like Steph Curry. Like – I mean, I don't know, man. If I'm just at home on a Tuesday going, hmm, I can watch some basketball, man. And you're telling me I can watch, like, I don't know, the Pistons play the Jazz or Steph Curry play anybody. Screw it. Do do I want to watch Philly or Steph Curry? Do I want to watch James Harden or do I want to watch Steph Curry? I would rather watch Steph Curry. I really would. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about the Warriors, and I will put it down on record that I'm all in on Steph Curry. I still see him dropping in mock drafts and things I do to like seventh, eighth, ninth. That's uh, absurd. That's uh, crazy to me. Like to me, I, I I can only find two guys I'd even think about taking over him. And I'm, even I'm with you because Ed. We, uh, yeah, I'm with you because I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You, uh, you jumped the gun, Tyler, because that is the most interesting question to me on the uh, Golden State Warriors is how much of a dominant force do you think Steph Curry can be this season as we are doing our 30 team previews in over 30 days here on the Watching the Boxes podcast for the Golden State Warriors if someone took him first, I wouldn't be that mad. I wouldn't even be that mad um, at you. I don't so, think I'm going to take him first, but I might. So top, I 10 spoiler, think about top 10 spoiler for me. Um, he's second in my rankings. The, the reason oh. I can't put him over James really? Harden is <clears throat> James Harden averaged like five more points a game last year, which is just insane. Right. And we're talking 32 against 28, right? Like, uh, so, so that means, you know, that, that gap there just was enough to, to keep Harden number one for me, but yeah, you can take Anthony Davis with LeBron. You can take Giannis, you can take Carl Towns, you can take LeBron himself. You can take Jokic, whatever. Good luck. Um, I'm going to take Steph Curry number two. That's, that's my personal thought. Um, people who listen to this show for a long time know I'm a huge Steph Curry guy. Um, Obviously, the team's going to be a little bit different this year, but yeah, give me Steph Curry. 
So I think, and I'm not completely done with my early rankings, but Steph Curry is going to be probably third for me. Um, I think the injury to Boogie makes Anthony Davis a tad bit more interesting, and Anthony Davis is such a rare talent that uh, I could see Anthony Davis making a push for even the the number one spot. But uh, Harden, to me, I think I think we've said this before. I don't know why all of the rankings across the board that have come out over the last uh, you know weeks or so don't have Harden number one. I've seen Giannis. I've seen Car Anthony Towns as someone's number one. Uh, I've seen Anthony Davis as number one, which you know I, I at least kind of get that. And I kind of get someone putting Steph Curry as their number one. But to me, like those are the only three guys I think who could be number who could end this season number one is Harden, Anthony Davis, and Steph Curry. I don't I really actually don't think that anyone else is gonna finish it could can finish number one in let's just say eight cat leagues. That's fair. And we'll talk about a lot of these players um going down the track, right? Going down the line here. I still think for my money, you know, Curry and then Carl Anthony Towns are the two most underrated top five players, right? Like absolutely those two guys, those two guys are top five players every year. And like, you know, Towns is another guy. You sometimes see him drop to like six, seven, eight. Like, I don't know what people are doing. Like I get, you want Nikola Jokic and you want Joel Embiid cause he's fun and he's big and yada, yada, like whatever the reason, but like, I don't know, man, yeah. I just feel like there's so much more value in guys like Towns and Curry. And, and so yeah, and, Curry, and- Giannis is an Top MVP three player for me, but, so, but like, yeah, yeah Giannis had a great, I, I, I completely, I completely agree. He's, he's MVP, but he doesn't hit threes. And he's a bad free throw percentage. So like he could be the MVP and not be the number one player in fantasy basketball. Cause fantasy basketball is just different. Uh, and you're hundred percent right. Anthony Towns, Steph Curry are getting overlooked left and right. And I, you know, I actually think Carl Anthony Towns is probably number four for me. Uh, Giannis might be number four. I still haven't figured it out, but, to me, Harden's number one. AD, now number two. Curry, number three. I think if you take Curry in your top three, you're making a very good decision. And so if you're telling me Curry's going to be there in most drafts at like six, seven, give me every sixth and seventh pick. If he's there at four, great. Yeah. If he's there at four, great. So when you're looking at, if you have are in a league where you get a pick, where you uh what position you draft in that is a very very good thing to first go look at go find out where steph curry's average draft uh ranking is make sure you know your league before you uh just jump in head first and you're looking at like if you go fifth and get steph curry that's that's fantastic and and fifth is a great spot this year. Fifth is a spot I'd like to be in because I feel like you're going to get, you're obviously going to get Harden, Davis, Giannis, Towns, or Curry, which is a great spot yeah. to be in. That is a, that is a very, very solid spot, spot to be in. Uh, Steph Curry. With we, no... And at fifth, you might, you might, you might even get to make a choice between two of those players. Cause I could see somebody grabbing Jokic, somebody grabbing Embiid, somebody grabbing LeBron. Yeah, there's always some moron who grabs LeBron with like a top four pick. Happens so you know what I mean. Happily. So if you get a chance to pick between two of those players, like that's that's a pretty advantageous spot. And you know Steph Curry, there's no Kevin Durant, there's no Klay Thompson. 
he's going to have to carry this team. And guys, if you remember just a few years, like I said, just a few years ago, he was the best player in the league. He was the best player in fantasy by a lot. It was almost unfair how good he was. And I do think that Steph Curry still exists. It didn't have to exist with Kevin Durant on the team. Uh, But now on the team for the Golden State Warriors, they do have D'Angelo Russell. And so D'Angelo Russell will be uh, Curry's running mate, which I I, I find very, very interesting. And I think a lot of the uh, analysis I've seen from the the fantasy world from Golden State is that that's a uh, a detriment to D'Angelo Russell's value is moving to Golden State. And I disagree. Tyler, what do you think? I'm interested to hear why why anyone's saying that, right? Because I think D'Angelo Russell is what he is. Now, he had his breakout season, but, I mean, this young man is 23 years old. He doesn't turn 24 until February. Um I think we've seen that he's an above league average three point shooter. He's, you know, gets assists, he gets rebounds, he's a pretty good steals guy, he can score. I actually really like him on Golden State. Obviously him and Curry are going to have to to make it work and that might take a little bit, right? Take a little bit to iron it out, but there's this common misconception that Curry was like bringing the ball down the court and, you know, dominating the ball the last couple of years in Golden State. Like Kevin Durant is a ball handler, guys. Like as much as people don't see that or, or whatever, right? Draymond Green is a guy who's averaging, you know, what, seven assists a game, seven and a half assists a game on this Golden State team. Like I think D'Angelo Russell fits in there well. I think D'Angelo Russell's a top 30 player in Golden oh, State. You heard like, it here first. You heard it here first, everybody. Top 30 player. Um, let me let me throw some stats out for you, Tyler. And I'm 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 not gonna we you know we, we should disagree more because uh, it probably make for a much more interesting podcast. But uh, here are the numbers I'm gonna throw out. One, Kevin Durant averaged more assists than Steph Curry. He averaged five point nine. Curry averaged five point two. So that's a pretty good sign for D'Angelo Russell, being someone who can handle the ball and still get assists. Kevin Durant took 17, almost 18 field goals a game. Klay Thompson took 18, took more shots than Kevin Durant. Let's flip that around. D'Angelo Russell last season, and I'm going to talk about the second half of his season because that's when D'Angelo Russell was really coming on. D'Angelo Russell was taking about 21 shots a game, so still plenty of shots to go around. He was getting about eight assists a game. All right, cool. Maybe maybe there's a few less assists. And he was the only good player on that team. The only, you know, star player on that team, a top NBA player on that uh, on that Brooklyn team. Now, um he's on a team that has multiple All-Stars. Uh one of the best players in the league, Steph Curry, who defenses have to focus on, and an incredible distributor with Draymond Green at the forward position. It's going to make life easier for D'Angelo Russell. He's going to be more open. He's going to, I would, he almost hit, he was hitting three, three pointers a game. I, I think that goes up. His assist might go down a little bit, but he shot 43% under duress all the time. He's going to be under less duress. I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be a huge jump, but all the things that I think about 
with D'Angelo Russell moving to Golden State are all positives. He's not going to have the best defender on him. He's not going to have to force up shots at the end of the clock because the ball is going to be moving around. It's what's really going to be important is how quickly he learns to fit into an offense that moves the ball. It might take him a bit, but I think he'll figure it out. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Russell this year, and I think some guys are going to sleep on him and they're going to hate on him, and he's going to go in the, you know, third, maybe even slip into that fourth round, and I just think that's way too far. Like, give me, give me all the D'Angelo Russell in that third round. I agree. I think he's a 100 percent a third round player. Um, I think we talked about it in a previous podcast with Sacramento Kings uh, that you know him and De'Aaron Fox are are, are fairly similar players. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, we, we took D'Angelo Russell over De'Aaron Fox. Is that true? You have to go, have to go back and listen to that one. I think it was pretty close. Um, well, and, and uh, well, I think we, I think my point about, about it was that they're very similar players, right? And not only are they very similar players, I think we both said maybe we wanted Fox more, um, just because he was going to get a little bit more, um, assists and a little bit more steals probably. But uh, you're right. It was the other way around. My bad. Um, but I, I think I made the point that D'Angelo Russell's probably going to score like, you know, three more points a game at least. And I, I made the point that that makes the value very, very similar to me. And I would have both of those players kind of right in the back of my top 30, you know, kind of that 28, 29, 30 range. Um, I think it depends on, on how. Yeah, it's going to depend. And we, we do this, this series every year, the Who Do I Draft series. It's really going to depend on those first two picks. We always, uh, the philosophy here at watching the boxes is you take the best two players available. I think the turn is when you can get creative. If you're, if you're in the back end of that first round, but you take the best two players available and then you start to analyze your team and say, all right, what do I want to improve in? What categories can I still improve in? And, you know, with D'Angelo Russell points and three pointers. So, you know, if you go, with someone who's uh, kind of lackluster in three-pointers, D'Angelo Russell's probably a pretty good player to target in the third round because the chances are if you're going with somebody who's not good at threes, they're also not going to assist. D'Angelo Russell's going to be perfectly fine in that. So I really like D'Angelo Russell. I think he's definitely a third-round uh, player, and uh, I think you know he's going to keep taking that leap. He's in a really, really great situation, and uh, I'm, all, I'm all for it. I'm, all, I'm on the D'Angelo Russell bandwagon. We'll join you on the bandwagon. Excellent. Um, let's just talk about real quick, because we have to. Clay Thompson. Don't don't draft Clay Thompson, guys. He is not. I, I mean, the best case scenario is he's going to come back in like sometime in March? Question mark. They're not going to play him uh, three minutes a game, and he's not going to be scoring like a, a you know twenty some points a game. It's just not going to happen. Clay Thompson is going to be completely, um, I'd say, insignificant this season uh, unless they want to unleash him in those final games and you really need to uh, scam uh, a few Roto points out of your uh, your Roto category leagues and you need some threes. Like Other than that particular situation, they're going to save Clay Thompson for the playoffs. And, and, I mean, his dad just released a story not that long ago saying he will definitely return during the regular season. Like, that's that's probably going to happen, but it's going to be so late that either your fantasy season is just going to be wrapping up if you're one of those people who ends a couple weeks before the regular season ends, or 
you know, if you're one of those people who ends, you know, like two, three, four weeks before the regular season ends, he might return after your season's already over. So, yeah, I would say in redraft leagues, there's probably no value. Um, interesting thing, you know, a lot more people are playing in dynasty leagues. Uh, he's going to come back, right? So I, w- I guess the question for me to you would be, where are you looking at him in kind of a dynasty league setting where obviously you're probably not going to get much next season, but after that, he's going to be very valuable, right? Oh, that's a, I think that's a very, very good question. He's definitely going to be very valuable. Um, he, you know, I think he'll come back uh, mostly Clay, you know, Clay Thompson-like. But if you remember last season and the season before that, he was solidly in that 30, uh, you know, 30, 35, 40 range. So, you know, a very solid third-round player. So you, you think about it, third-round player, he's going to be 30. So, you know, guys like D'Angelo Russell – Darren Fox, much, much younger, getting a lot more years out of him in a dynasty situation. But 30 is still, I I think a lot of people think 29 and 30 are too old to draft in a a dynasty league, and you couldn't be more wrong. That's at least three to four years of production. Let's say with a player like Clay Thompson, too, and like now barring another big injury, right? Like it's probably more like five or six years. I mean, like his game isn't super predicated on him being like this phenomenal athlete that, you know, goes to the rim and throws down all these crazy dunks. Like the dude just shoots the ball better than maybe, I mean, anybody in league history, right? Like he is a phenomenal shooter. And we've seen with Ray Allen and people like that, right? That game ages really, really well. Absolutely. Where's his shot going to go? It's not going to go anywhere. And so you can still expect to get really, really good utilization out of him. I think once you hit that, that first plateau, when you're starting to look at, um, you know, as we talk about here on the uh, watching the boxes podcast is that we have kind of the first three tiers and then you hit that plateau where majority of the players are, are fairly interchangeable and overall, rankings and uh you're kind of getting that same player um from i'd say roughly 40 on once you enter that plateau area of the end of the fourth round fifth round clay thompson's still hanging around i think he's you got to pick him up in the fifth round and i mean it's all about risk tolerance and what team you're trying to build obviously um i think you know, you'll see Thompson fall into those like 70, 80, 90 range in some of those dynasty league drafts because people are be like, oh, I'm trying to build for now or, oh, I want this hot young prospect, you know, the RJ Barrett, whoever. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think if someone like uh, I think Tobias, I think Tobias Harris falls, falls into the fifth round, you, you take Tobias Harris, right? But if there's no one who fell, if there's no one who fell into the fifth round, um, who would, here's a here's a question in a dynasty league who would you rather pick up uh in the fifth round Victor Oladipo or Clay Thompson it's a good question I think Vic just because uh I think he's gonna play a little bit more this season right and maybe significantly more I think I think I got Vic projected to play like 55 games and obviously that's a fluid situation because he's still rehabbing and trying to get back and he's gonna miss the first part of the season but I also feel like Victor Oladipo has a little bit higher upside. And, and I mean, you you know this maybe more than anyone, Michael. I've been on Victor Oladipo since, I mean, things, since maybe Victor Oladipo came into the league. Um, it's probably his rookie year, I, I believe. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, give me Victor Oladipo, but that's close, and it's a fair question. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to own some Clay Thompson in some Dynasty Leagues this year just because I think 
you know, he'll fall into that 60, 70 range and I'll be picking somewhere around there going, yeah, you know what? Give me Clay Thompson. I'll wait it out. Um, or, you know, I might use Clay Thompson as a trade commodity at midway through the season, right? It was for rebuilding team, right? If I'm going for the title, I might be able to, to swindle somebody out of a really good player and say, Hey, well, you're going to get Clay Thompson next year. You know, Clay Thompson's really good too. I, I like that. Um, do you think Clay Thompson deserves to be on get that money, my get that money off the board list? Uh, for those of you just tuning in, that get that money off the board list is the auction, the best, the best list, the most important list uh, that you will be able to find on patreon.com slash watching the boxes uh, for getting money off the board in an auction league draft. Clay Thompson. So- Big name. People know he's going to come back. You throw him out for a dollar. That's all, that's all it where takes you is two people. You get him for a dollar, like whatever. You drop him. Who cares? That's that's where you hit it. And this is so we talk about. There's kind of two people on that board. That's one you got to throw for a dollar because you you're okay if you get him for a dollar because you can just cut him and pick up somebody else, right? But like some of the guys, right? You can throw out there at like five dollars, ten dollars, and you know people are going to still bid, right? I wouldn't do that with Clay Thompson because, you know, you might get stuck then with a $5 Clay Thompson and then you kind of wasted five bucks, right? So, are uh, too risky to do anything more than a dollar, but all it only takes two to tango. And one of my, my favorite thing is, is you throw a guy out there and all like three or four people are into it and you're like, all right, cool, sit back and watch the magic. Especially and- early when there's money. That's when you got to do this, too. Yes, it's when it's early when there's money. Because if you wait till like the middle of the draft or toward the end, right? Like, not that many people are going to have money. So other people are going to be like, oh, well, Clay Thompson's going to hurt and this and that. So, like, he's, not, he's yeah. not too early. If everybody has money, they're like, no, nah, I'm saving my money for the big players. But once the big players are out of the way and everybody's kind of back to, to like having a similar amount of uh, money, right? Everybody's still got money. Then you throw them out. Yeah, third, fourth. Third, fourth, nom. That's when I do it. Like my yeah, third, like my third throwout. That's when I'm. That's when I'm throwing out a guy like Clay Thompson. I'm gonna have to write Clay Thompson into the get that money off the board list. Let's talk about the rest of this team. Draymond Green has always been an interesting fantasy basketball player. He is really a a build player where you have a certain punting strategy he becomes far more valuable. Uh, incredibly, incredibly valuable with you know. Someone who can average, you know, seven and seven, um, eight and eight, really, if you if you think about it, um, easily. But he's never going to be a scorer. Uh, his three point shot basically disappeared last season, which was really really worrisome. It was almost like he was scared to uh, to even shoot the ball. He only he only scored seven points last season, under a three a game. Um, but he's also getting you one and a half steals and a block a game. So he's like, he does all the non-sexy things in basketball in fantasy basketball and none of the, the sexy things, which makes him always end up in weird spots in the draft. What do you make of Draymond Green on this team where he's definitely going to have to play a little bit more of a facilitator role with, uh, with no, with no Kevin Durant. This is, if, if it's Draymond Green from last year, right, which, I mean, we can argue that's maybe the worst season of his we've seen in a while, and I know there was a lot of factors that went into that, but you mentioned something that I'm going to kind of circle back to um, in a second, but, like, he was a pretty solid, you know, maybe even stud contributor in, like, four categories, and then 
he was basically awful in four categories, right? Especially for like a big man, you know, 44%. You don't want that. You don't want 69% free throw shooting. Even 0.7 three-pointers is not a lot for a big guy anymore. And he gave you 7.4 points, which we're talking like a standard 12-team league. That might be the lowest point number of anybody who's owned, right? So it's kind of full. It's kind of four categories of goodness and four categories of terribleness. And, you know, the, the turnovers, um, you know, maybe you can speak to that a little bit better than I can. But 2.6 doesn't sound great, especially for a big guy when, you know, there's a lot of big guys who are only getting, you know, somewhere in the one, one and a half, two range. It's not the worst. It's not great. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and the the four good things make him really interesting and you got to feel like he's going to have to take some more offensive load on this team right with their you know without clay and without kevin durant but you mentioned it he's kind of looked scared to shoot that right? is what like, worried me last year that was a big red flag when and we, we always talk about like you know looking at the stats looking at the box scores just watching the boxes anyway um helps but you got to watch these games and one of the obvious things was that Draymond Green never wanted to shoot the ball. And that really changed the way defenses played him. And he had one of his worst seasons of his career. So I guess now what, right? He's 29. Uh, I don't feel – I mean – I'm of two minds of this, right? Because you got to feel like he's going to get like 10 points a game at least, right? Because they just need – 10 points out of him, but then you're like, well, he wouldn't shoot the ball. So is he going to get 10 points or is he going to get you seven and a half again? Like, I think so, this is really, really, really tough. And I, I, I never, I never advise people to go in with a punting strategy, but a lot of people go in with the punting, the percentages and uh, turnovers. And when you, when you do that, uh, Draymond Green ends up being like a top 30 player. And if you pump points, he's like a top 15 player. Can you make yeah. up those? Can you make up those points um, with someone like Steph Curry? Can you make up those points with someone like James Harden? Draymond Green's free throw percentage isn't great, but he doesn't shoot a lot of them. So, like you know, the volume isn't there for either field goal or free throws. So he he, it's weird because he does fit a lot of builds, and I think a lot of people avoid him. So it's like where when he falls, where do you where do you get interested in him? And I, I'm a, I'm never really interested in him. Even okay, as he so, falls, so that's it's, it's really hard for a dream on green. I think it's the hardest, one of the hardest and, players to to pay. And here's some just kind of like quick and dirty math, Mike. So, assuming someone picks Draymond Green in the first three rounds of your draft, okay? Yeah, he's definitely Not the lowest scorer by far. So, so what? Well, what is the what is the next lowest score? Like somewhere around 16 points a game, right? In the first three rounds. Yes. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I mean, you can get okay. some 20, 20 plus scores. So, so that's six, what I mean. Rounds. So, so okay, so let's assume that, like, the, the other guy, right? So this is probably the second worst team. He picks a dude who's, like, 20 in the first round, right? Because pretty much everyone in the first round scores about 20 points. Then he picks a dude who's, like, 18, and then a dude who's, like, 16. Okay? So that's what? There are 40, 56 points, correct? I don't think you could find two guys to pair with Draymond Green that are going to get you 56 points. 
And that's going to be like the worst team in, in points after the first three rounds. So people say like you can make it up. Well, you literally have to pick like James Harden and then huh? another dude saying. who's Devin going Booker's going to have to be on your team. Uh, James Harden's going to have to be on your team. Uh, that's making it up again. You're going to have to you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're making it up. Point of it. And you're going to have to, well, you're gonna have to make it up early and you're going to have to make it up late. And that's a lot of making up to do. So I, I will own Draymond Green in certain builds. If Draymond Green is falling like into the 40s and 50s, I'm definitely going to own him in a couple leagues probably. But he's a guy that I get jumpy on clicking the draft button on because at seven and a half points a game, I don't, and then if he's not going to make any three pointers either, and the percentages stink, you're going like, well, he kind of kills me in four categories, even though he's giving me the second best assists for a big guy and some pretty good rebounds and some really good steals and block numbers. Like, yeah, so yeah. Draymond Green a little bit, a little bit hard for me to to pull the trigger on, but I, I, I can't. I I agree. Like I I fall into the same camp. Uh, he's going to have to fall out of the top 50 in order for me to draft him. Uh, you know, late fifth round is, is when I'm going to start paying attention because like, Hey, it's, it's hard to get eight assists and eight rebounds out of one player along with a block and a steal. And um, you could say, as we always kind of do dream on green and most players revert to the mean. Um, I'm a little bit, if you're on him reverting to the mean of his career average uh, than other players, because something, something was up last year and that year to year that, that does happen. You know, so, if he's off last year, he's a good chance. He's, he might be off this year as well. And so I'm going to have to be in a very specific punt build. It's going to have to fit my team perfectly for me to take him in the top 50. So here's kind of how, and I'll, I'll I'll mention you know Mark's rankings, right? So our friend Mark Roberts puts out these rankings every year, and Draymond Green is actually ranked thirtieth in his rankings. Now, what most people don't understand about the way Mark does things is, uh, much of his rankings are based on math, right? So he's not making up these numbers; he's looking at um, what these players have done in the past and ranking them based off that. His rankings are also geared towards head-to-head leagues where they eliminate his two worst categories. So that's why he's so high in those rankings, right? Is you're kicking out his two worst categories, one of which is points. Um, If you're punting points, I actually don't really have any issue taking him in like the third round, fourth round. No, No issue whatsoever. If you're not punting points, and punting points is a difficult strategy for most people because, you know, the points is the biggest number. It, it, It jumps right out at you, right? And it's hard for people to realize how valuable steals and blocks are because those are much smaller numbers. So for the new fantasy player, I would never recommend them punt points because it's it's a lot more difficult. Um, but yeah, so drafting Draymond Green in in a league where you're caring about your points is really hard. So I'm I'm kind of with you that you know in that fifth round, you know maybe you think about him, but. I don't know, man. I, 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 a lot of times just find somebody maybe I like a little bit better and Draymond Green's kind of a big name and he usually has a pretty high draft value. So I have not owned Draymond Green a ton over the last couple of years. It's going to have to be like the perfect storm. Uh, I just want to throw it out there. If you're, if you're punting points here, are the, here are the top players uh, for uh, people who are interested in punting points, Anthony Davis, Car Anthony Town. If you, if you go off of let's, 
let's go off of last year's. Let's go off of last year's. Let's not go off the projections. Let's go Here's off of the, last year's. Um, anything when we talk about hunting doesn't mean like you have to pick someone who's bad in that category. That's the biggest common misconception about punting, right? It just means you're not thinking about that category. So just because those guys score 20 points a game, they're really good in those punt points strategies because points isn't the only thing they do. They get rebounds, they get assists, they get blocks, they get steals. Yeah. So top players, if you're punting points, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Paul George, Steph Curry, Anthony Towns, Giannis, Kawhi, Vujovic, all those guys are scoring 20-plus points, and some of those guys are scoring 30 points a game or more. The only outlier is Robert Cummington and Rudy Gobert in the top in the top 15. That's the only two outliers. And that actually makes a lot of sense when you look at the rest of their stats. They do rare stuff across the board. So punting points is incredibly hard to do because you're still taking an elite point guy with your first pick, and then you're set up to actually have good good points already. So you got to be in a weird situation, maybe on the turn to uh, just go after a punt point strategy. And that's very, very hard to do. So uh, look into it. We'll talk about it in a, in a future podcast about the different punting strategies, but I I can safely say I've punted points or tried to punt points um, in a Roto league once. And I wasn't really punting to be the worst team. And, and we talk about this a lot, right? It was a deeper Roto league. And I knew that, there wasn't going to be a ton available. And I kind of got boxed into a strategy where I was like the 20th pick in a 20 team league. And so I ended up having to pick a guy who was pretty low on points compared to like, you know, the twenties and thirties guys we're talking about right near the top. And I actually, so there were 20 teams in this league. I actually ended up finishing um, fifth in points, even though I was punting points because like you mentioned, there's so many guys who are good at steals and good at rebounds and good at blocks and good at those things that also get points. So the way my draft queue was set up, a lot of the points guys ended up being the guys I needed for my build anyways. We might want to recommend people never punt points, but ignore, we never really say punt anything. We say ignore it. And uh, ignoring points is a completely different subject. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a future podcast. Let's finish out with the center position on this team. You have uh, Kevon Lune, as I, as I pronounce it, and my boy, Big Willie Cauley-Stein. This is an interesting little setup here, and I think what we're going to get is the least desirable situation. Uh, both of these guys playing starters minutes are standard league relevant. Now, are either one of these guys going to play 30 minutes a game, Tyler? Exactly. Neither one of them are going to do it. So both of them are probably going to be playing 25, 26 minutes a game maybe, and they're going to split those minutes, and that kind of really makes both of them not as appealing uh, as I would obviously like them to be. Uh, if both of them are playing, let's say, 28 minutes a game, Tyler, would you draft either one of them, both of them, and in what order? Um, so assuming they play the same minutes, is that the question? Yeah, they're both going to, let's say they're both, let's, let's do 26 minutes. They're both going to play 26 minutes a game for the entire season. They're going to play like 75 games each, all things even. Looney or Cauley-Stein, are you drafting... Both of them, neither of them, and in what order? Um, good question. Here's the thing I don't like about Kavon Looney. 
So he's 23 years old, right? Turns 24 in February. He played 18 and a half minutes a game. He averaged 2.6 fouls a game. Uh, this is a common thing for me in big man. I think, you know, they go after a ton of blocks and steals and stuff. They get fouls. So you're telling me he's going to play 26 minutes a game. Like they're shooting for that going in. That's it's going to be hard for him to get those numbers. Cause he's going to foul a ton. And he's going to be in foul trouble. Then he's going to get taken out. Um, I like Kevon Looney's kind of per minute game though. I mean, talk about, you know, looking just like per 36, you know, it's over a steal. It's 1.3 blocks. It's over 10 rebounds. There's some assists there. Um, per minute, assuming they play the same amount of minutes, I, I think give me Kevon Looney. Just think he does a little bit more. Um, Willie Clay Stein's got kind of a fantasy friendly game, but man, I don't know. I think they're just going to split the baby here and both guys are going to be probably end up outside the top 100 because they're both playing, you know, 24, 25 minutes a game and that just doesn't work out. And I'd actually switch it. I do like uh, Kevin Looney's potential for a block and a steal a game uh, a little bit better than Willie Colleystein, but I I, kind of like the uh, Willie Colleystein's ability to be someone who can be, um, you know, uh, have stretches of being in a very good standard league relevant player. So I would say they're both to me, uh, last round picks close to or next to last round picks. And I would oh, probably I, take Willie Colley Stein over Kevin Looney, but it's not, oh, yeah, it's not by it, a whole lot. But see, you said, assuming they're playing the same minutes. So I, my, that's assumption, what I'm saying. my assumption is though in real life that Kevin Looney plays like 22 and Willie Colley Stein plays his like 28 that he's gotten the last couple of years. So I'm actually okay. definitely way more interested in, in Willie Colley Stein as far as fantasy goes, just because I don't feel like Kavon Looney can play that many minutes. And I think that going back to my point about the fouls, I think he's just going to foul too much and he's going to get, you know, like 22 minutes a game. So yeah, I'm fine with Willie Colley Stein as one of my like bench players in the standard league, like my last two or three picks. Um, I don't mind that at all. Um, but here's the thing you don't like about him for a center. Like two out of the last three years, he got you 0.6 blocks. Now he does get you over a steal a game, which is nice, but he's not really blocking many shots for a center. So if he's going to be your starting center and you're going to, you might be looking at a definitely punt blocks strategy there because he's not going to block a ton of shots. I agree. Uh, there's always been big Willie Stein's, uh, I guess, uh, Achilles heel is that, uh, he just never really put it together, and the blocks were never there for a center of his guy of his size should be blocking a little bit more, a few more shots. Um, Tyler, I think that is it for the Golden State Warriors. Are there any other players on this team, maybe an Alec Burks, uh, that you would want to throw out there for consideration in a standard league or even in a, even a deeper league if you if you'd like? So, and maybe this will tie in with my my question I've been asking you, right? The wings on this team look maybe the worst in the league. Like they got Pretty a good back. Bad. They got a good backcourt, right? And they've got a they've got a front court, right? They've got Draymond Green, which we talked about a lot, and we've got Kali Stein and Kevon Looney to play those kind of other two positions. But like as far as a small forward, they're gonna play Alfonso McKinney and Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson and Jacob Evans and 
Stop me when Unless, you hear somebody you think you like, right? Like I said, if any of those guys ends up playing 30 minutes a game, I don't care. I don't, I would not draft any of those people for fantasy. So I guess tying it into my question, right, is can a team make the playoffs with three pretty good players, right? And two or three above average players and then some below average players. Oh uh, yeah, they already did that. I think so too. I think they're a playoff team, but I don't know that they're going to be a super high seed. Especially, oh, but I think that makes them. Even, I think that makes them even more dangerous. If they're sneaking into the playoffs at the end of the season and they get Clay Thompson back, that no one wants to. No one wants to play the Golden State Warriors in the first round. Oh, factually correct. Which is one thing that I think could be a very interesting storyline down the stretch. Is are teams at the top? tanking a little bit to not play Golden State in the first round. Like if Golden State's sitting in the sixth seed, is somebody trying to lose to bump down to the fourth seed to play, I don't know, somebody else so they don't Say have that 100% happens, and it's 100% going to be LeBron's team. Um, guaranteed. Absolutely guaranteed. Um, I, think, I think that is it for the Golden State Warriors. Tyler, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Tyler P. Watts find me at watch the boxes if you'd like the show rate review us we really appreciate that hit us up with feedback or check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes if you want to help support the show and get access to exclusive content that only our patrons get that is patreon.com slash watching the boxes and we will be back with our next team in the 30 teams in over 30 days previews have a great night everybody